You want to be intentional with what they are taking with them so they can set the foundation for the rest of their lives. And it's really beautiful to see how different families are. There's definitely some general things that everybody kind of wants to take, but then you go a little bit deeper and there's detailed things in there that are specific to that child, not just that family, but that child based on their strengths Mm. and their struggles. Welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicki, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts, doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi, mom. Hello, Ingrid. Let's talk to another mom today and for the next few weeks. Yay. We are going to talk to Nellie Harden, who is a mom of girls just like you are um, and has a passion for parenting and uh, communication. And she's we've had a great time chatting with her and learning from her. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks learning more from her and, and talking through things. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting. So hi, Nellie. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This is so fun, you guys. I love talking to a mother-daughter pair. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, we're just a little further on our journey than you are with your daughters. So that's what's Only by kind a couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, my daughters are 16, 13, 13, and 11 right now. So I got, um, I have all middle and high school right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of beautiful parenting yourself, of course, but you also do some family coaching, right? What does that look like for you? Oh, I absolutely love family coaching. So I have been doing it for a very long time, but it's looked differently throughout the years. And so I have uh, in 2010, after our kiddos were, they were little during that time, but we had some massive wake up calls uh, that year. We had a heart surgery for my husband. We had a near drowning accident for one of my at that time, two year olds. And it really woke us up to the fact that we wanted to live with drastic intention and with where we wanted our family Mm. to go and Mm -hmm. what we wanted to build into our girls before they left home in order Mm. to build the foundation for their lives. Mm. And that was truly the beginning of it. And I got into several different ways of teaching actually because of the drowning accident. My first teaching I ever did was going and teaching pool safety uh, Mm. to families around. And then after that, I went into wellness because of what happened with my husband. Mm -hmm. And so you see a trend here. I Mm -hmm. learned something, I master it and the through, you know, life's trials. And then I go out and teach it. And uh, family mentors mentoring is no different. Uh, Not to say I have mastered family. I still have kids in middle and high school, but we definitely have mastered how to intentionally live in order to grow the experience now and build the experience for them for later. So I really help families write their own book. You know, they always say there's no book on parenting. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you're right, but you need to write your own book because every family is so, so different. And so I help families write their own book and really build their life for now and the future through three big pillars of what you want and how you deliver it and then doing what you want. So Mm. it's the foundations, the discovery and the launch of what, how and do. That's awesome. That's awesome. I loved your your sort of picture. I don't remember. I don't know if this would be in what or how, Mm -hmm. but you've talked about (laughs) like once you leave 
you know, as a parent, you're really parenting like in the most extreme standards from age one to 18. And then there's like, ah, oh, you send them off into the world. And so much of our podcast here, your mom and I talks a lot about that idea, the fact that like, don't stop parenting after 18. But there is a huge shift in like, what does that look like past that? And you describe sending your kids off at 18 as them like sort of having a backpack full of tools and experiences and values. And the truth is that they're going to have that backpack regardless. So it's really just like the question for you is, do you want to be intentional about what you put in it or not? Which I love. Yes, absolutely. When you are going throughout your parenthood, childhood dynamic and dance, there are these impacts that are happening along the way. And I call them the inevitable impacts. So like to your point, they are happening, whether you want them to or not, whether you design them with purpose or not, and whether actually you do them or somebody else does them or not. Mm -hmm. They are impacts that are happening for sure. And so the whole idea, and, and to answer your question at the beginning, this would be in the what, right? Because you are setting the destination of where you are going to be wrapping up this 6570 process. And 6570 is the name of my project and the name of my platform, the 6570 Family Project, because that's how many days are in 18 years. So mm -hmm. that is 6,570 chances that we have have to get up in the morning, set intention, find a destination and get there. And so when you look at it from, you know, the, the aerial view, then you want to have a destination for the end of that. And that is what are they going to take in that bag of theirs, right? Because like yeah. you said, there's going to be things in that bag, no matter what. So why don't we actually plan what it is? So it's not like that five-year-old that packed for a trip and you get there and they have no underwear, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and no socks, no underwear, but somehow we have some beanie babies and yeah, I don't absolutely. know, some, some <laughs> slop or whatever that goo stuff. And so, yeah, you want to be intentional with what they are taking with them so they can set the foundation for the rest of their lives. And it's really beautiful to see how different families are. There's definitely some general things that everybody kind of wants to take. But then you go a little bit deeper and there's detailed things in there that are specific to that child, not just that family, but that child based on their strengths mm. and their struggles. And it really is beautiful when you can dissect that and say, okay, so here we are today on day, I don't know, say 1000 or 2000 something or other on day 6570, this is what we're going to take. I mean, you might yeah. be already on day 6000. And it's mm -hmm. okay. There's still time, you can always impact and influence during this time for sure. And thereafter, yeah. but especially during this time. Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. And I think based on our platform, like basically looking back on that 6570, as we've like just passed it, we'll spend the next few weeks talking about like, I think a lot more specifics of how we do that. But just using this idea for today's episode, I'd, I'd love to talk through what things you decided were important to put in your children's bag. And also like, mom, obviously, you didn't have this vocabulary, maybe when I was growing up, but you and dad did sit down a lot. And like, one of the things I'd say most often about your parenting is that you were intentional. And so when I got to college, and there were things that I was frustrating about, or if they were like parts of my bag, I wanted to throw out the window, I couldn't, there was no question about the fact that you were intentional and done it for a reason. So at, no matter how frustrated I was, I was like, yeah, but she was there and she was consistent. And she was she cared. And that in itself is a huge gift to give your child for them to just not even question the fact that you were involved. That That's the high I have to interject there that that's the highest praise you could give me. Thank you. 
<laughs> my mission as a parent was to be present, to be there, and to care. Uh, there is a lot, you know, I can't control, but I know that being present and showing, and you leaving after 6,570 days, knowing that I cared and that I was there, that's awesome. Yay. I've accomplished my task. <laughs> so what do you think, what do you, can you think of like other things that, that you and dad talk about things when you learned you were going to become parents and we're like, you know what I really want? Yeah. Well, we use the m- metaphor of a coach on a team. Nellie probably thought about this too. It's pretty straightforward. A coach on the team looks at the, the her players and she's like, okay, you have strengths. You're taller. So you're going to be my forward. You're shorter. You're going to be my spiker. You know, if you're using the volleyball metaphor or whatnot. So, and, and it's pretty easy to talk to your teammates to say, okay, you are really strong, but you have no style. My middle daughter was a swimmer and she had a coach who said that too her. So, you know, like we're going to strategize and how to strengthen these areas. So dad and I had three areas based on the Shepherdina Child's Heart curriculum. I don't know if you've heard of that, Nellie, but um, that was what informed a lot of our early parenting. And that was what is your child's relationship to self, relationship to others, and relationship to God coming from a spiritual focus. So to think of what you had in your bag as you left home, I wanted you to have a healthy relationship to self. I wanted you to have a good understanding of how you interacted with other people. And I wanted you to have assurance of your relationship with God and how beloved you are to him and how he sees you as his lovely child. That is a very explicit start. I mean, that that (laughs) comes exactly from a parent who's like, no, I care. And you totally had goals. We did. (laughs) And we would come around, we would have date nights where we would talk about one child at a time. We tried to talk about all three and we're like, ah, this is too exhausting. (laughs) So we're like, okay what child won let's talk about these two things and we wrote things down and we were we would focus on things you know when you you were little it was like okay Ingrid needs help sharing (laughs) as if it was unique to you (laughs) but it was unique to us because we were first-time parents so we actually were intentional on how we created opportunities in play to have you share and we actually I came up with a bible verse that where we talked about winning and we reprioritized winning, I think based on Proverbs 3 or something. Oh, you will. This is what it was. It was you will win favor in a good name in the sight of God and people. And so I was That's like, the goal. Ingrid, winning in, in this game of um, Candyland <laughs> doesn't mean getting there first, but being kind along the way and not cheating. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a huge reframe. And I love that because that has to do what you were intentionally doing is setting those core values that they come out with of self, others, world, faith, all of those. And those impacts happen along the way. So you were intentional in those. And a lot of people, I don't want to say aren't intentional. They're just not aware that they can be 
intentional with those. Yeah. And so super kudos to you. I'd clap, but that'd be way too loud. So super kudos <laughs> to you for doing that and, and making those decisions early on. And with the sharing and the not cheating, I can relate um, to probably myself personally, but uh, definitely my kids. And that's where you get down into those specifics. You know, there's so mm. many people that, you know, they want in their bag, they want things like work ethic, right? Trust, willing obedience, not blind obedience obedience and things like that, a critical thinking, once they remember what critical thinking is a lot of people, and then uh, just wisdom, but specific are things like stage fright, maybe someone has massive stage fright, right? Or maybe someone has uh, study habit issues, and they're trying to conquer those before they go off into the world, because let's face it, we're always studying something, right, even if we're not in school. And so when you peel back, and you actually have those, those very specific things also, and that's when you can take it and Kid one, kid two, kid three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All the way through. Yeah. I was thinking about, so what's fun about this is that mom can say her <laughs> goals and then I can be like, well, let me tell you if it worked or not. <laughs> you get both perspectives. So the things that I was thinking about, like, hmm, what did I have in my bag? I think we're a little bit more specific, but I agree. I do think that I've definitely carried out of high school a um, a sense of self, a sense of stick-to-itiveness, like a, I can get up when things are hard and try again, kind of. Mm. What do you call that? Resilience? Resilience. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had that. Something specific to me, which we've talked about before, when when I went off to college, I like knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do musical theater like my whole life, which is which is rare. Most people don't, you know, go to college and try lots of things and their lives, you know, just follow, follow different paths. And yet with that one goal in mind, there was still quite a bit of trial and error. And do I choose this major or this major? And like, can I just move to New York without a job and a house and like any other, you know, just like with some friends and a couch? <sighs> Turns out I can. And I think that those like under the underlying things that gave me that kind of courage were absolutely from that like sort of intentionally packed bag of looking for long term goals. Something I wrote down was like just general time management and schedules is so helpful mm. across the board. Everything from mom like meal prepping a week and like writing things on the whiteboard for the everyone to see like that kind of modeling of of short-term goals and long-term goals definitely were helpful for me I I definitely took that away so good job (laughs) (laughs) yay I'm glad you went away with that when you work with families Nelly I I remember you saying that often maybe the parents will come to you and be like we're just pulling our hair out like our high school son just like will never clean his room like can't hold his own weight in the family whatever it is and they think that there's like this current problem to solve you often will like pull them back to this like a bigger picture right what does that look like with them well it really is it's about peeling back those layers because often when there's an issue happening in a home that looks like they're not cleaning their room. It looks like just, you know, plain old uh, teenage air quotes, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. disobedience. There's something underlying happening there, right? Mm. For some reason, they want to keep their room dirty or they don't want to listen to somebody else. There's a control issue happening there, which Mm -hmm. means that they feel out of control in another area. Mm -hmm. And so just peeling that back and and having those discussions instead of flying off the handle, you know, with with the power struggle, everyone is going to lose. Everyone always Mm -hmm. loses with a power struggle. So drop the rope and pull up a chair, sit down and talk about what is going on and what you can do in order to to help that. They need to know someone's on their side because chances are if they're having an out of control issue, they don't feel like anyone is on their side and they're feeling very alone. And so if you drop the rope and pull up a chair and let them know, I am on your side. 
how can I help you through this? I know it's not about the room. So what is this really about? <laughs> Does it help as you, do you talk to whole families? Does it help as the, th the outside party, like help them drop the rope and pull up the chair? Yes. Oh, definitely. I love to talk to whole families. You know, that's my preference, uh, you know, but when you get some of the younger ones, they're more squirrely and the parents can't listen as well. So they only bring them in sometimes, but then I have some, you know, there's some that they're older and they could stay in there and they can talk. And that is wonderful because then you they could hear it from someone else, right? Mm -hmm. It can hear it from someone else. It's not just the parent. It's not just yeah. mom or dad or what have you. They can hear these things and emp be empowered by them. Like when I go through the mindset cycle, for example, and show them where their thoughts are coming from and how decisions are being made and where their control is and where their control ends, you know, they're like, oh, okay, you know, I understand. And so it's, it's very powerful to have a whole family together if appropriate. And if not, yeah. the parents can go in and and teach too. You know, if I had it possible, I would actually, you know, have this as a it could be a pre-parenting program, you know, that before you ever go into parenting, you're doing this. Um, but typically a lot of people before their parents, they have other pre-parenting life happening, right? And their their mind is not there. And it's when they're in it that they're like, oh, wait a second. But yeah, working with families and, you know, at least the parents, if not the whole family, it's it's powerful in any regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. What it reminded me of your, as you were explaining that really is that like, it feels like you're sort of calling for some more compassion in these communication things that, that you know, start to feel really logistical. It starts to be like, you haven't cleaned your room and people are coming over and it's hard to remember bring that compassion back but that is sort of a, a pillar that mom and I ended up end up talking about almost every episode of this podcast we come back to like oh to, here we are again it's really about like looking at the person and saying hey I care about you and now that we have like a some sign kind of connection now we can correct behavior from there exactly exactly and I was just doing a training on time today and how that time is not about quantity, right? It's not about the quantity of minutes that you spend. It's about the quality and the con consistency that you spend mm -hmm. with them. And mm -hmm. so in order to avoid some of these behaviors, not cleaning the room, et cetera, that are really just labeled so often as, you know, typical teenage behavior there, mm -hmm. right? They're lazy, they're rude, and they don't want to do anything and they sleep all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of this, this very heavy blanket that goes on the whole teenage world, which now is like between nine and 18, even though yeah. nine isn't teenager, that's what a preteen is considered today or a tween. And yeah. so, you know, if they're nine to 18, the excuse factory starts like, Oh, well, that's a teenager for you. That's a teenager for you. But in many parts of the world, teenagers are running households of several people, you know, and if you yeah. just give them space, in order to thrive, they really, really will. And having that consistent quality time is imperative to that because you can cut off a bad behavior at the knees before it ever actually surfaces if you're just investing a little bit of that every week. And it doesn't mm. have to be a lot. It just needs to be good time quality time. I'm asking you questions. You can ask me questions and we're being vulnerable. We're laying on the bed. We're just talking. We're being silly, right? Just that quality yeah. time, but it has to be consistent, right? 
Mm. And I talked about today, I was, I was saying, you know, if you have, I, I picked a dad, but whatever, I, you know, if you have a dad that spends the first five years of your life with you, like nonstop 24 seven, and then you never see him again, that's not going to be a good memory. And a lot that he's going to impact going into your uh, adulthood in a good way, right? Right. Because he's gone and he chose to leave. I'm not talking about anyone who's lost a parent in, in, in you know, through death or what have you. But my point is that five years is way more time than just taking like a half hour a week to be like, this is me and you time. And we're mm -hmm. gonna go sit, we're gonna go have fun, ask me anything. So this happened at work today. What's going on at school today? You know, just have those conversations and be open and honest. Do you do you find that like you kind of turn the tables when you say ask me anything? Um, how do families respond to that? Because that is a like I don't think I ever ask my children to ask me anything <laughs> questions. Now as adults they do. And I definitely know my daughters have asked my husband, you know, tell me about this in your area of work. But that is not that doesn't come naturally. Well it's interesting because so much so much of the time parents are groomed, right? To be like, I'm the parent, you're the child. I talk to you and you have to share everything with me. But my life is kind of, you know, that that was my life and it was before you. So it doesn't really exist, like all the things, right? And yeah. so when you can say, ask me anything and you can be open and vulnerable to that, there's relatability that comes with that. And if they can relate to you, they can listen to you so much better because there will be respect there, right? They'll yeah. know that there's a mutual ground. Like it won't be... Uh, you know, mom doesn't understand anything I'm going through because she never had a, you know, a, a boy that she liked that ignored her. And you're like, mm -hmm. mm, <laughs> let me just tell you some stories, you know, and that might be why they're not cleaning their room because their head is so, you know, uh, spaghettied with this boy at school or this test mm -hmm. that they failed. And mm -hmm. they didn't think you've ever failed a test because you've never told them and never been open to sharing that. And so having that open line of communication and being just vulnerable to whatever they're asking, because if they're asking it, they want to know for some reason, right? Yeah. And so although I have one of my kids, that's just like spill all your most embarrassing stories, I want to know them all. And I was like, Oh, where do I start? So <laughs> <laughs> and then she, she retells them. That's so cute. There, there are people who it's more in their culture or their DNA. Maybe they're more loquacious or they're more extroverted to tell the stories of their youth. My husband, he he's a context person, so he it's it's more it's in his DNA to tell the stories of his youth. We have friends that she, all, their daughters know all of his stories. It's not as much in mine. And if I am to share a story, sometimes I feel like you know, like I'm comparing myself to my daughters and I actually heard once from one of my children I don't want to be compared to you but when you turn the tables like that and say ask me anything it's really different it's like a different tone Ingrid how do you respond to that I was just thinking that the quality and the consistency are definitely key and the earlier the better because mm. I, th I think we've talked about this mom also even just in like in some episodes we've done on on young child parenting where it really does start at the very beginning of the 6570 of like if when they're five you as a parent are asking questions to them or are just like wondering about things and and being explicit about about your doubts in the world, then when they're 13, 
it won't feel like such a huge hurdle for them to also have doubts in the world. I think like five-year-olds are just mom is the moon and the sun. And so <laughs> that's easy to like continue in that reign. And then all of a sudden you become a little bit un- unapproachable because my brain is still in this like mm. the growing up mom is the moon and the sun atmosphere. So definitely, I mean, the younger the m- that you can be a part of saying, ask me anything, the, e- the more comfortable I would be as the daughter to feel like you really mean it. Yeah. For sure. Although, you um, know, what? interestingly, last night, I'm so impressed that this is something that you said, Nellie, um, because last night was my husband's dad's 75th birthday and we played a game. His wife suggested called Ask Me Anything. <laughs> And it was just to be a catalyst for we were on Zoom. He's in Seattle. His uh, daughter and her family were with him. So, you know, it was like the way we live life nowadays. But it was so cute. And I just was like, I started off by saying, how did what, what was your first experience driving a car? And, you know, then the, the stories came out and it did create great memories and beautiful bonding and it'll be stories that the grandkids can go back to and say I remember when you told me about that tell me about that again or now I've had this experience kind of thing Mm -hmm. that's so fun and I don't think that was probably the first time at 75 years old that he's uh you know told some of those stories hopefully but to your point with starting young when kids are older and so the relationship's been going further. You, it is harder to go over that hurdle, but we don't want to just go over it. Like there's walls that have built up. And so you're going to have to go through the wall and that's going to be a little uncomfortable, right? Mm. But if you decide that we're going to do this and we're going to do it together and it's going to probably be uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to be brave. It's probably going to be uncomfortable for you. So I need you to be brave. Can we be brave together and do this, right? And there's that mutual respect and agreeance there that then you can take with that and be like, okay, so ask me anything. And I promise I'm going to, you know, tell you the truth, the best of my ability, even if I'm uncomfortable, because if they see you be uncomfortable, then they'll be like, okay, if she could do it and she's uncomfortable, I could do it and I'm uncomfortable and we'll meet in the middle. The consistency is uh, absolutely true about that, because the other story I was going to tell was that in college, mom and I had lots of conversations. You know, I, I went away for college. I was in Tennessee and she was in Pasadena. And we've talked before about how low the quality of those conversations were. And we've talked about like, (laughs) was what could we have done better? Like, could we have upped the quantity of them? Like whatever. And I basically just said, you know, I don't think I was ready. Like, I just was not sharing anything with you, mom. And so like, you did all you could to like, keep calling me. But like, I was not there to participate. I wasn't showing up on my half of this relationship. And it takes two to tango. But mom was consistent. And I think that was an app that was totally a wall that somehow had been built up or that I was putting up through like trying to differentiate in college right right after that 6570 that took a good amount of time. We talk about like four years after that, of like working through that, but continuing to show up knowing that it was awkward was what would got us to the point where now we can have a lot more open communication. And I've like learned through time how to hold my weight in that kind of vulnerable conversation because mom continued to model it to me. Yeah, I, I definitely like the hope that you offer, Nellie, in, you know, it's never too late. If you're on day 6,000 of um, 6,570, it's not too late. After my kids have left for college, we have gone through a lot of those 
hard walls gone over, gone around, <laughs> whatever you call it. And the, we've many times mentioned the value of this podcast in creating a quest to do together to have some of those hard conversations that we didn't have when Ingrid was in college. But we've continued to show up and valued getting through them and having them. I think it's truly beautiful that you guys do this together. I really do. <laughs> this is an awesome first conversation. Thank you for explaining the concept of the bag that you will take when you're 18. It's and a really good next picture. time we're going to talk through a little more of the specifics, what you know, what, what you have in your bag and how to actually do that. <laughs> awesome. I can't so, wait. Thank you. Well, have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.